Welcome to another episode of the First Time Bible Teacher Podcast, the podcast designed to help you learn to teach the Bible yourself, starting with the very basics. In today's episode, we're discussing flow within a message. It's often overlooked in preparation, but it can mean the difference between people tracking with you the entire time or tuning you out after five to ten minutes. Let's dive right in. We've all had the experience of listening in on a message and wondering, where is this whole thing headed? Like, what possible idea or conclusion is this person going to be able to give me that takes all of these random things and helps them make sense? We don't want to show people random Bible teachings. We want there to be a clear flow, a clear building of ideas, and we want to do that in the way our ideas are structured and in the way that we present those ideas. So it's a, it's a matter of both sides of teaching. It's both content and delivery. We need to be very careful about the way that our messages flow together. Other than why we should want flow in terms of just making people understand things, we're going to talk about that in a second. One thing I really deeply care about, your messages should flow because the Bible authors wrote a deliberate flow into their books. They deliberately placed things in the positions that they're placed. One of my favorite things to do in preaching recently has been in my preparation, I go to, there's a group called The Bible Project, highly recommend, check them out. They have done a great through the Bible series where essentially with every book of the Bible, they have drawn these outlines of how the entire book flows together. And just looking at that really quickly before you study a text is incredibly helpful because it reminds you, oh wait, all of these ideas are building this greater point. There's a lot of people where what they do is they take verses that sound random or feel random and they teach random things about them. Or they'll be teaching one passage that has one idea and then there's one verse within that passage where the whole thing is about outreach or whatever, just as an example. Let's say the whole passage is, is showing we're the light of the world, we should be reaching out, and then there will be one moment where Paul says, pray for us, that we do this well. And then as a preacher, you sit there and say, oh, well, now I just talk about prayer. It's like, no, you're talking about prayer within this idea. The, the idea of putting together flowing messages comes from the idea that the Bible authors wrote that flow in for us. If you can't find the flow within a passage, you're probably not interpreting it right. The Bible writers were many things. They were not random. They didn't just say, ah, here's a bunch of ideas. I think I like that. We want to show people how all of these ideas flow together because I'm sure you've had it in your own devotions where you're reading something and you read the segment right after, like, how do these things flow together? That's not a question to ignore. That's a question that your people are coming in asking, and that's a question that you in your study really need to ask of the text. Flow is not random. Flow is chosen by the text. So if we're not finding a good, healthy flow, we need to ask ourselves, are we really understanding the text? Beyond that, that's the content side of something flowing really nicely together. Now to the presentation side, flow within your message helps the people process the Bible. It helps them understand how all of the ideas work together. When you're teaching a message, you're not just saying the most interesting thing you can for 30 minutes in a row. 
You're not just reading a verse. Here's everything I know about this verse. Hopefully it's all interesting. Now on to the next verse. Here's everything I know about this verse. Hopefully it's interesting. No, that, that's not what the Bible authors did. They didn't say, here's everything I know about God, chapter two. Here's everything else I know. Like, they didn't do that. They were writing deliberate messages, and they were writing them on purpose. And so in the same way, we can't just hit people with a ton of random ideas in our teaching. We want to prepare them for the ideas that we're about to share. We want them to be able to know, here's kind of where we are in the progression of all of these ideas. We want to show them that point one flowed into point two, and here's how these two things make sense together. And sometimes points one and point two are explained by point three, and I want to show you all of these things. When you prepare people for those ideas, you help them so much. You really help people when you show them here are how all of these ideas flow together. So it's important from understanding the content correctly and it's important in terms of the way you present it can settle people into content they may normally just kind of assume they're not going to understand. So how can we achieve this flow? Well, like we said, it starts with everything kind of flowing out of the text. The flow is there. It's your job to find it. And one of the things that I'll do, and this is coming directly from a great preaching book by Haddon Robinson. It's just called Biblical Preaching. If you haven't read it, highly recommend it. It's one of those great preaching books that I let slip by for a good seven or eight years of people recommending it to me. And this summer I went through it and it was just eye-opening in so many ways. One of the big things he talks about is the idea that every sermon needs to have a big idea. And a big idea is something very specific. It's something more than just this passage is about mercy. Yes, mercy is a big subject, but a big idea is something more like Christians who have received mercy must show mercy. Something like that. There's a, a greater intention and direction to a big idea. It's more than just this message is about forgiveness. It's because we have been forgiven, we are free to forgive. Every message you teach, whatever the topic is and whatever the passage is, should have some big idea, hopefully that you can describe in one sentence. Once you've arrived at that big idea, that is your best friend in figuring out your flow. That is your absolute essential tool in figuring out how, how things should flow together. Because when you are using that as your guideline, now you have a wise principle for how things get into your message and how things get left out of your message. If you um, are looking at a text and you're just sort of pulling ideas from all sorts of different places without a big idea, it's going to be very hard to achieve any kind of meaningful flow. But a big idea shows all of my points, all of my ideas, all of my stories they need to build this case. They need to make this thing clear. And so when you have that as that criteria, it helps you a ton. One thing that can make that difficult is taking a passage that is not intended by the authors. So there are times where stories are meant to flow together. So uh, Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15 has three parables in a row. It begins with Jesus hanging out with 
sinners and tax collectors and all sorts of people that made the Pharisees feel super uneasy. And Jesus looks at the Pharisees and begins to tell them stories about how God seeks the lost, essentially. And that's where we get the parable of the shepherd leaving the 99 sheep to go get the one. We get a second parable of a woman who's lost a coin and rips her whole house apart to find it. And when she does find it, she's super happy and that's great and all that. And then there's the prodigal son. And that's kind of the big chunk of that chapter. I don't know if I would ever teach those separately. I don't know if it's 100% wise. Or at the very least, I would never teach them individually without making reference to the other two. I wouldn't just use one of those things and say, look, a complete package. Because that's not the flow that's in that text. I want to make sure that I'm at least referencing those other things. So sometimes the reason you can't find your flow is because you haven't picked the right text. Before you fully settle on your text, make sure you read what's before it, make sure you read what's after it, make sure your content is what the Bible anticipated your content being when you taught it, if that makes sense. Thinking to the delivery side of things, how do you get practical with this? How do you develop flow within your intro? Well, first of all, um, what I typically do when I teach is I go up, I will just kind of talk a little bit. I'll tell people, open your Bibles to this passage. I'm excited to get to preach today. If I'm in a place I'm not normally in, I'm, I'm really grateful that I get to be here. Um, thank you to your leaders for welcoming me out. It's been exciting to be here, blah, blah, blah. Let's pray, and I'll pray to open. And as soon as I'm done praying, right after amen, I am immediately into my first sentence of the message. There's a sentence I have crafted, written, whatever you want to call it, where this begins my introductory thoughts. I'm just right into that. I'm not going to say, let's begin with blah, blah, blah. I want to just take command of the room in that moment. And so I'm just going to jump in really confidently. I'm not going to like tiptoe my way into an introduction. I'm not going to like half-heartedly do an introduction, this is one of the most confident moments of the sermon in terms of I need to make sure my delivery is really confident. What I'll do at the back end of the intro, and there's a whole episode that we did on intros, but really just thinking about it within flowing within a message, towards the back end of the intro, that's when I really start thinking through how am I sharing with people all of the ideas that are coming? How do I share with people, here's the journey that we're about to go on. So by the end of your introduction, people should have the roadmap that they can mentally hold you accountable to for your teaching. They should be able to say, well, he told us we're going to go here, here, and here. So we're in this second part of that. That must be where we are in the message. You want to give that to the people, empower them. It makes them much more likely to pay attention. Within your main points, Some people number their main points. Go for it. I like to give names to my main points at the very least. It's not just a random idea or phrase I'm going to find. They are deliberately named in my head and and in my notes as well. I'm going to give those names out often in the introduction and definitely as we're going through. And when you reach the end of, let's say, your first main point and you're getting ready for your second main point, restate the first one even just the title. So we've already seen that thing number one works out like this. Now we're ready to look at thing number two. 
You know, go ahead and say that very deliberately. Announce the, these things. People should not be guessing at a main point transition. They should absolutely know that it's happening. When it's time for your conclusion, don't get predictable. Don't be like, oh, uh, now in conclusion, like you don't want to necessarily use that phrase every time, but I will let people know that we're wrapping up. I will use the phrase, especially in youth group, I'll use the phrase, I'm going to say one more thing and then we're done. Like I'll, I'll do that and I will watch heads lift back up. I will watch people that I have lost along the way say, ooh, we're almost done. Okay, I'm in. You know, feel free to give people that. That's fine. That helps people. When you know that there's only like 20 minutes left in the movie, you pay a little bit more attention because now all of the closing things are coming up and this is how I'm going to know whether or not I really understood all of this. So don't be afraid to literally say, you know, we're going to wrap up at this point, but here's one last thing. And I'll even like, here's one last thing and I will count to four Mississippi in my head. It will feel like an eternity to you to do that. No one else feels weird. Four, three to four Mississippi is just a long enough silence for people to begin to wonder, hey, how come the voice went away? Like, that's all that they've thought. And you're at like two and a half Mississippi, and you're like, everyone thinks this is the worst. Everyone thinks I just forgot what I'm going to say. They didn't think that. Get over that. Use those little pauses along the way to get people ready for an introduction, sometimes even to get people ready for a main point, sometimes to get people ready for a verse. I'll introduce a main point. You know, we've seen this first thing. Now we're going to jump into this second thing and we're really going to see it in verse five. Let's look at that. And then one Mississippi, two Mississippi, three Mississippi, and bam, then I'm reading. I'm giving a little bit of time to kind of show people just through the timing of things. Here's how these points all flow together. Here's what you need to see next. What should you not do in trying to create flow within your message? Well, first, don't try to make random ideas go together. Most teachers I know are pretty avidly into reading or at the very least are very interested in podcasts and other people's teachings and articles and things like that. They are reading and gathering ideas from a lot of different teachers in a lot of different circumstances. Do not let those things creep their way into your message. The fact that you want to say something does not mean it needs to be said in this message. Hang on to that illustration for another time. Hang on to that story for when you're teaching something that it fits better with, but don't let whatever you're interested in determine, well, this needs to make its way into the message. It, it doesn't. It can wait. It's going to be fine. God gave us everything we needed in his word, and we want to be interesting and relevant through other stories and, and topics and references and things like that. But we don't need those things to create effective messages. What we really need to do is unlock the Bible for what it says. We want to really just show people here is what you can actually find in the text. So don't bring your random ideas to a text they do not fit with. Make sure that the text is determining this idea gets in and this idea stays out. Also, in figuring out your flow, don't ignore this step in your process. In your preparation process, do not ignore how step one flows into step two, how step two flows into step three, how you get out of your introduction, how you get into your conclusion, even with littler things, even with like sub points. How are you going to get into reading a verse? 
What's the first thing you're going to say when you jump out of that verse? How are you going to introduce a story or an illustration? Figure those things out along the way. Because Figure those things out, I should say, along the way of your preparation. If you can't think about it clearly when you're alone and prepping and there's no pressure on you in that moment, there's no way you're going to think more clearly when you get on stage and then you're delivering that message in front of people. And here's one of the big things. This is what I'm closing on. See? Now you know we're almost done. A lot of this just comes from confidence. A lot of this deliver it confidently, and whether you are confident or not, people will be fine with it. I'm a big believer in, I heard Jerry Seinfeld talking about something comedy related, and he said that all um, public performances are about managing fear. That when people look at the guy on stage and say, oh, he's afraid, he doesn't know where he's going, they stop following with you and they become judges of what you're doing. They stop saying, I'm a participant in this and they start kind of pulling back and you don't want that. When you're up there, you are the guy. You are the leader. I remember my dad would always tell me that he was an EMT in high school. And one of the things that he loved is that when he showed up at a scene where someone needed help or something needed to be fixed, he knew he wasn't a doctor. He knew he couldn't all automatically fix anything that was going on. But he also knew, I'm the best chance these guys have right now. And I'm here and I'm going to be all in and we're going to go for it. And a lot of times that's the attitude you need to take to teaching. Because when you are showing people, hey, I'm confident, we're going somewhere. I'm not saying I'm the best preacher in the world, but I'm the preacher you got right now, and I'm going to do my best, and I'm going to steer this ship towards something good. Let's go for it. When you show people that, people are more willing to follow you within the flow of that message. So don't do this lightheartedly. Don't do it half-heartedly. Be all in and lead those people where God is calling you guys to go. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the First Time Bible Teacher Podcast. Remember, we're on Instagram. All you need to do is search at First Time Bible Teacher for episode art, updates on the podcast, and links to other helpful resources. If you like what you're hearing, please take some time to write a review or give a rating on whatever service you're using. It really helps get the word out. If you don't like what you're hearing, definitely don't write a review or give it some time and maybe you'll like it a little bit more and then you can review and rate it at that point. Remember, we're on Apple Podcasts, we're on Google Podcasts, we're on Spotify, we're on Stitcher. Until next time, study hard and teach well. 